Good morning. How you doing? Good. Happy Easter. I'm glad to see all of you. I want you to get your Bible turned to Mark chapter 15. I want to take a few minutes to talk about what God is raising to life. Mark 15, verse 46. I'm not going to just read this to you. I'm just going to kind of walk down through these verses with you to explain what's going on in this text. At this point where we're about to pick it up, Jesus has already suffered the trial, uh, the scourging. He's spent the night uh, in prison. He has already been crucified, and he has already given up his life on the cross. His body is, at this point, hanging on the cross, and there's a fellow named Joseph who loves Jesus and wanted to do something for the family, and so having the means to do so, it says that he purchased some linen cloth, the type that would be used to respectfully bury someone. And he has went to the officials and asked for the body. He said, can I, can I have the body to bury the body? And officials have said, yes, you can, you can do that. So he's gone back now to the cross, and he takes the body down, wraps it in the cloth, And he lays the body in a tomb that's been cut out of a rock. I think we have a picture of that tomb. I want you to, you'll see it here in a minute. There you go. This is what most people believe is the actual tomb where Jesus was buried. Four years ago, Deb and I and Katie Hill and Nolan Pennington had the privilege of being right there and going inside that tomb. I was kind of shocked at at the interior of that. It wasn't what I expected. I'd always expected it to be, you know, a bigger place. But the truth of the matter is that right as soon as you go in that door, uh, there, the, you know, the scripture talked about various chambers, the chamber in the tomb where that his body was, prepared and anointed, and then the place where his body was laid. Well, those two chambers are all in a space about the size of a little square, if I was to mark this off. It's just enough room on this side to have laid him down, prepared him, and then taken about two or three steps and laid him right here. There's a reason why I think, logically, that that tomb was no bigger than that, because the scripture says somebody hewed that out of a rock. And had I been doing that work without dynamite, I think it would have been as small as it could be to get somebody in there and then to close that stone upon that opening. Something else I think that's a little bit interesting, I just, I'll explain to you that may or may not have been this way for everyone, but due to kind of what we were told, 
we were up on the Mount of Olives and we were looking over into the city, which is the place where Jesus was the night that he was betrayed. And up on the Mount of Olives facing the city, there is a, a graveyard and they have a lot of the ancient, what we would call caskets today. The caskets were only about this long. We said, these folks were a lot shorter than we thought. No, it's not that. What happened was that when a body would decay, it, 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 uh, the body would be placed in a tomb or in some type of a, of a, of a place where that, I know it sounds kind of morbid, but then they could leave that body there long enough for all the flesh and everything to decay. And then they would go in and collect the bones, and the casket was as long as the longest bone on the body. And so then they would collect the bones, put them in the box, and then bury the box in the ground. So I'm not certain that Jesus' body, had it been left in the tomb, would have been there anyway per culture, would have at some point been taken out and put in a box and buried up on the hill along with his brother James. But there is no body to put in a box and put on the hill overlooking the city. I thought about what it would have been like of course, when you're dead, you don't know anything, I guess. At least in this body, in this form. But I don't know how many of y'all are kind of claustrophobic. Anybody claustrophobic in here? I, I, I don't like being put in a tight spot. Does anybody else feel that way? And think about how... Um, Alarming it can be. I was a wonderful child. And all the other children loved me because I was always uh, so right and obedient. And you don't believe that, do you, if you know me? I'm, li I'm lying right now, too. But I can remember one time out in Southern California, the church where we were attending, they got, they, they got a new church sign and they had to dig a big hole in the ground to prepare the foundation for this big sign that was going to be placed in the yard. And so for about one week, there was a big hole with a four by eight piece of plywood covering the hole so none of the children would fall in the hole, right? Well, one of the children fell in the hole. It wasn't that he fell in the hole. It was that the other children decided to put him in the hole and cover him with the four by eight sheet of plywood. And I'm going to tell you something. It was scary in there. <laughs> I was calling out, crying, praying for my sister. Somebody here, of course, my sisters, if they knew I was in the hole, they weren't coming to rescue me. This was the best day of their lives. I've never liked being placed in a position, are you ready for this, where I have no control. 
don't like being put in a tight space by myself where it's dark with a stone rolled over the mouth and left. Worked in the grocery store for a long time when I was a kid. And that was another favorite of the boys I worked with. From time to time, if someone needed a lesson, they spent some time in the freezer back in the back room where we kept all the, either the cooler or the freezer. And it's amazing how that people will want you to be put in that place just because of some little thing like, you know, I'd catch somebody going there to get something and I'd grab some eggs while they were in there and I'd throw them into the fan and shut the door while they were inside and the fan would chew up the eggs and then they would came out just covered with raw eggs and then it would be my turn to go in the cooler. I know that Jesus wasn't in that tomb. But what it would have been like to have been, how strange even for the people who were preparing the body. I mean, I was in that little tight spot and, and we had to duck to go in there. It's, the, the door is so low, we had to duck down to go in. And then standing in there and to think, even if you were the person just preparing the body, You'd constantly be kind of looking over your shoulder, making sure, hey, y'all don't move that stone now. We'll be out in a minute. Oh. <laughs> How terrible it would be to think that at some point the rock is just going to be rolled over the face of that tomb and you would be left inside. And yet there are people today who may not be inside small rock tombs, but life has put you in a tight, dark, seemingly helpless spot. And the hole has been covered up until the point that you can't see light coming from anywhere. And so there you are on the cold slab in the dark by yourself thinking, there's not even any hope of me coming out of this place. Yet, the same Jesus who would just not have being in a place like that is still rolling the stones away from the lives of people today just like he did all those years ago. It's interesting when you look at this passage, it says that the two Marys watched where Jesus was laid. They're there. When the day of worship was over, they brought spices and they're going to go back and anoint him. So, so for people that would say, well, you know, once the rock's in place, it was never going to be moved. Well, that's not true because they went back specifically for the purpose of getting into the body and preparing it for its long-term effects. On Sunday, they're going to the tomb, but they do know they have an issue. They're going with the idea of we're, 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 we're going to prepare this body, but we still have a problem because even though the stone can be moved, we can't move it. 
And so they asked one another in verse three, who will roll the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? We're on the way there. We have good, a good plan. We have the right motivation. Our heart is right, but we can't move the stone. Who's going to do that when we get there? When they looked up, they saw the stone had been rolled away. And it was a very large stone. And as they went into the tomb there, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were panic stricken. The young man said to them, don't panic. You're looking for Jesus, the one that was crucified. We've well, been brought back to life. He's not here. Look, look right here's where they laid him. Go tell the disciples. Tell, go tell Peter. He's going to go ahead of them and meet him in Galilee. They're going to see him there just like he said. So he had risen just as he said he would. You know that's part of the story. Death couldn't hold him. Tomb couldn't restrain him. Devil couldn't restrict him. All of that. Jesus went where he wanted to go. Even after the confines of this limited earthly body would say that was no longer possible. He was still going where he wanted to go and he was still doing what he prophesied he would do and he was still saving who he said he came to save and there was no one or no thing or no power that could stop him from doing that. The question is, how is it that he was able to come back to life. He's been crucified, but I want you to remember something else about the story. Remember, at the appointed time, he gave up the ghost. It means he, he, he willingly, uh, him being God and being man, 100% bull, he determines when he's going to die. Nobody's going to kill him. He's going to give his life. And so he determines at the moment it's right, it is finished. He says it's finished. And then he gives up the spirit, the soul, the life that is in him, and his earthly body dies. So he's hanging on the cross at this point, and the soldiers, wanting this to be over with, start walking along to make sure that he and the other two fellows are dead. And so they take a spear, this is the part you might have forgot, and they shove it into his heart. They pierce his heart and water and blood gush out. If he was not dead at that point before then, he certainly is now. In this condition, he is placed in this tomb. A coming back to life would have to be a miracle. Because if he was just faking it beforehand... In order for them to put him in the tomb and then they'd come back later and roll the stone out and let him out. What are they going to say about the spear in the heart? Yet the officials are desperately worried that he is who he said he was. Denied it all along and crucified him in spite of it. But now they're still so worried about it. They're like, soldier, are you sure? Oh, yeah, man, I put the spear all the way in his heart. If he, even if he was, I mean, he's dead. He's dead. Well, we better guard it anyway. They may come back and try to steal his body. Or I think it might have been in their mind. Mm, he might be who he said he was. He might get up out of there and leave. 
We better do something to try to stop him. How was it that after all this, he's able to come back to life? The answer is found in John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He didn't say I will be resurrected or that I'll be the product of resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And anybody that believes in me, though they die, yet they're going to live. And whoever lives and believes in me is never going to die. Do you believe that? Well, that's my question to you. Do you believe that? Jesus was life before life as earth even knows what life was. You say, how could he come back to life? My question to you, how could he not? I mean... He who is the creator of life and death certainly has power over everything he created. If he created death, he can certainly overcome it. He's not just resurrected. He is the resurrection. How does that work? Romans 6, chapter chapter 6, starting at verse 4, kind of describes that. It says, you know, when we were baptized into his death... That means when we became believers and were baptized, we at that point symbolically were placed in the tomb with him just like he was that night. And then as Christ was brought back from death to life by the glorious power of the Father, so we too should live a new kind of life because that's what's happened to us. If we've become united with him in death, certainly we're going to be united with him when we come back to life just like he did. We know in verse 6 that the person we used to be was crucified with him to put an end to sin in our bodies because of this we're no longer slaves to sin. And the person who's died has been freed from sin. And if we died with Christ, we believe that we'll also live with him. And we know that Christ who was brought back to life is never going to die again. And death no longer has any power over him. And when he died, he died once and for all to all sin's power. But now he lives and he lives for God. Well, those of you that are taking notes, here's what you can say about those verses. Those verses say that as believers, number one, we are free from sin. That's what those verses say. Number two, it says that we as believers will live with him. That's what it says. Number three, that as believers, we will have power to do so within All of this is making sense so far. And so because of that, we desire to walk and to live daily in that power. We want to do that. We have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live yet not us, but Christ who lives in us. I believe that come from Galatians. So. Having died with him, being raised to life with him, now all we want to do is Philippians 3, 9 through 11. You say, Pastor, you're giving us a lot of scripture today. Yeah, there's a reason for that. Where Philippians says... Something along to this effect. I want to know him. All I want is I want to know him. Because of what he's done for me, what has happened to me, I just want to know him. Man, this is a tough passage right here, guys. We can shout over the first part of this verse. 
that I may know him in the ready in the power of his resurrection. Yes, I want that, don't you? And the fellowship of his suffering, uh, that's where I draw the line. Being made conformable even unto his death. And I'm out of that one altogether. Huh? He saved me, brought me to life. Hallelujah, he is risen. Let's clap and shout and wave hankies and run the aisles and all this kind of stuff. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection. And then the pastor says, and the fellowship of his suffering. They said, put the hankies down. Being made conformable unto his death. Does that mean he wants me to die? It means he wants you to die to yourself. Well, the scripture said, if I'm going to follow him, I'm going to have to, what? Deny myself, take up my cross, and follow him. There's a lot of folks that want to go to heaven, but not a lot of people want to deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow. Well, I thought he'd bear my cross. No, he bore his cross. You'll bear yours. He'll give you power to bear yours, but you'll bear yours. All I want, pastors, to know him in the power of his resurrection. That's what I really want. I want to know him. I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven. I'm, that's what I want. And I say, cool. I want that for you, and I want that too. Here's how that will happen. In the fellowship of suffering is how you'll get to know him. Being made conformable unto his death means that will be the moment that they put you on the slab and roll the stone in front. And everybody will go home, and you will lay there. dead to self and when you get up you be a different person i want to show you something verse 11 talks about depending on the translation you're looking at it talks about the glorious resurrection the word that is used in verse 11 appears in that verse only nowhere else in the new testament you say oh no 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 no. the resurrection is talked about several times in in the bible yes it is you're right lots of other times even in the new testament but every time that the resurrection is talked about throughout the scripture every other place but here it talks about everyone being resurrected both the both it talks about everybody coming back to life, which is where we're going in a minute, that everybody at some point is going to come back to life. But in this particular passage of Scripture, it's talking about only one group of people. He talks about the blessed, the glorious resurrection. It is only this one that Paul was aspiring to. This one that Paul was so excited about was the one he was looking forward to that only the believers will be a part of. All of us who know him. All of us who have died to self, all of us who are following him will know him in that resurrection. But there's something that we need to understand. Everybody's going to die. You say, man, I, I, this ain't no fun at all. I'm trying to live forever. If the Lord doesn't come back and get us within the next 80 years, then there's going to be very few people that are in this building right now, and only them are down there in the nursery that are still going to be alive. The rest of y'all are going to be gone. 
everybody's going to die because our earthly bodies were not designed to live forever. But here's something that you need to know as well. Just as everybody is going to eventually die, so is everybody eventually going to live again. It means this, that the moment that your physical body is placed in the tomb and the rock gets put over it, or whatever culture dictates that happened for you, you're physically going to be dead, but you're coming back to life. The exciting news today is that everybody who has ever lived on this planet is going to live forever. Everyone is going to receive a glorified body to which this spirit that never died, because that's the other part, even though Jesus' body was dead, his, his spirit was more alive at that moment than it had ever been, or as much as it has ever been, so will yours be. The moment they lay you down, your body may die and begin to decay, but your spirit will immediately be in the presence of the Lord. And everybody's going to live forever. Here's the downside. Some of them are going to be given a body that will never hurt, never be sick, never die, never suffer And those people will rule and reign forever with Christ. The other ones are going to be given a body that will never perish. Even though worms eat on it. And they are burning in eternal hell. That body will last. Everybody's going to live forever. Question is where? Sobering thought. The good news is because of the resurrection of Jesus, now that place that you wake up to can be with God for all eternity. Jesus looked at the man next to him on the cross and said, today, today. And the man's like, yeah, today's bad. Today's a really bad day. This is my worst day on the planet. It's my last day on the planet. I'm getting ready to die just like you. Jesus said, no, 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 hang on a minute. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. This ain't no paradise. No, 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 this ain't where I'm talking about. Today, they will take us down off of these crosses. And that one over there, it's not good where he's going, but you and I, hear that? Are going to go to a place that is so amazing, I can't even describe it right now in this situation. Let's just call it paradise. Death was a huge stone to roll away. But there is no stone in your life that's too big of an obstacle for God to roll away today. God is raising people to new life all around this planet. He's doing it every day, every minute, every second. God continues to raise dead things to life. Sometimes it's physical people. Sometimes it's People who physically passed away and God just raises them back to life as a sign or a miracle to unbelievers. But there are circumstances and situations 
where God is raising to new life people every day. But Satan, on the other hand, is trying his hardest to put people into holes, dark places like on the screen, that they could never dig themselves out of. Once they're in there and the stone is rolled over, they have no hope of ever coming out. That's the kind of place that Satan is doing his best to put you into. And a lot of you in this room are symbolically in a place like that right now. You're here today because it's Easter. You're here today because it was the wishes of some family member that said, please go with me today. Or, But in your heart, that was a wasp and this was his last day on earth. Let's see if he comes back from the dead. But he and I cannot coexist up here together. Especially if I have an opportunity to help him the way I just did. What is God wanting to raise to life for you today? What stone is he wanting to roll out of the way so that you can finally be free? I'm going to take you back real quick to Mark 16. This is what was going on in the story. You know, we started and they said, who's going to roll the stone away? What are we going to do? Then the young man said, the stone's been rolled away. You look, you can see here's where he was. He's no longer here. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone to where he said he was going to go. Now, what do you think these ladies are doing? How are they responding to this news? Well, how would you? You just went to visit a body of a person that you physically saw die and you saw what happened to him. And now that body is gone. And you would just naturally think somebody had come and stolen the body if it were not for an angel sitting inside the tomb. So now, in plain English terminology, you're just flat out freaking out. And the angel can see this. So I take you back to verse 6. And the young man said to them, don't panic. You're looking for Jesus, the one that was crucified. He's, he's been brought back to life. He's not here. Look, this right here is where we laid him. Go tell the disciples. They'll see him again just as he said. That's the word that God has for those of you today who find yourself in a tight, dark, lonely, hopeless place. Don't panic. Jesus is alive. If you're lost, he's already found you. If you're broken, he's already made you well. If you're ill, he's already made you whole. If you're alone, he's promised he'd never leave you. If you're weak, he's promised that he'll give you strength. He is raising to life the, 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 the minds and the, the bodies and, and the souls of the people that are here today. He wants to make you strong. He wants to set you free. He's here to take dead things and resurrect them through his power and for his glory. I would say to you, stop fretting and crying and worrying and losing and doubting and running and just call out to Jesus and let him start rolling stones away. Because that's 
the purpose of this day. It's just not about Easter egg hunts, which as a kid I loved. I was giving Deb a hard time the other day. This is because of the way I am. And I asked her, have you got your Easter bonnet yet? Wouldn't it have been funny if she'd have worn a bonnet today? When's the last time you saw an Easter bonnet? Oh. And then I started singing the song to her. Put on your Easter bonnet with all the flowers. She'd never heard the song. I couldn't believe that. It's not about suits and hats and eggs and bunnies. It's about the fact that Jesus, who is life, has chosen to give us life. No matter the situation that we're in, there are people, and I've been praying for you, there are people listening right now who are trying to smile through the fact that you feel like you are in a desperate, dark, tight place. Pastor, my marriage is falling apart. Pastor, my kids, I don't know what I'm going to do with them. Pastor, my job, it looks like it's going to go away. Pastor, the doctor said I'm not going to make it. I'm going to tell you one more story and then we're going to pray. I'm going to ask my prayer team if they'll come. I want you all to go ahead and come right now if you would. and Just scatter out around the building because we're going to pray for some folks in a minute. If anybody has real faith, I need them to come up here and pray for this wasp. If it comes back to life, there's going to be a shouting match in here today. I'll guarantee you. Be like, oh my lands, the power of the Lord raised a wasp from the dead. been singing this song for days that the resurrected king is resurrecting me because it has that it it, is it's not just that he has he is he continually is he is resurrecting things in our lives all the time wednesday night nolan pointed out nolan can i talk about you for a minute wave at us would you wave put your hand up wave won't people see who you are given his testimony in our Wednesday night Bible study 10 years ago this time it was in March Nolan drove Deb and I and our children to the airport and we went to Honduras on a missions trip and he had my vehicle he took it to his house and he was going to keep it for me until we came home and pick us up at the airport but that day after he left his aorta exploded for seven and a half hours surgeons feverishly massaged his heart and would not give up on him they worked on him hundreds of people were praying his wife Ree said I just she said I just told the Lord it's just just not going to happen He's going to live. Doctors were like, there's been very, very few times anywhere 
that a person like this lived because we don't have anything in here to work with. It exploded. We don't have anything to put. It's not like we can put something back together. There's not anything to put back together. Before Nolan lost consciousness, he said, I've got the pastor's truck and I got I got to get it back to the airport. <laughs> I hate that he was that worried about me. We were, as I said, we were in another country. So when we heard the news, we immediately began to pray. There wasn't anything we could do, but we were told that there were hundreds of people that were praying and there were all 50, 60, 100, maybe more than 100 of them even at the hospital praying, seeking God, just comforting his family. He was not, according to the devil, supposed to live. He was not supposed to have a 10-year testimony on Easter Sunday about the resurrecting power of an almighty God who can decide when it is, if it's not your time, Whatever God speaks to life is alive. Whether there are spears to the heart or exploded aortas, it doesn't make any difference. God is the one who has the last say over the circumstance in your life. And so, as they lead us in this song today, I want you to get up from your seat and I want you to find one of these people And I want you to let them pray for you because they will. They love you. That's why they're here. Whether that be, Pastor, I need to commit my heart to Christ. I I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to repent of my sins. Awesome. Come on. Let's do it. Or if it is, I I, I need a miracle. I need a miraculous healing in my body. All right. We know God can do that. I need my marriage restored. I look around this room and and I see marriages that have been restored. You, you can't come up with something today that God hasn't seen and already dealt with and is too big for him. If you're in a dark, tight, claustrophobic, hopeless spot that you can't see any light out of today, there's a God that wants to roll a stone back and give you new life. Don't leave this place the same way you came. But find one of these people and let them pray you through to victory. Walk out of here fired up, man. Walk out of here full of life. Don't go out of here like that wasp. He's going to get carried out between services. Brought back for the next one for my illustration. Not really. Will you pray? Are you ready? I want everybody, if you would, just really stand to your feet. No, I don't want to stand. I'm not coming forward. Well, this is not for you if you're not coming forward. I'm having you stand up so we can make some room so the people that want out of the aisles can get out without having to crawl over you. And I want you to help them. And if they're on your aisle, it might be all right. I mean, for you just to pray for them as they go. I mean, I'm just trying to say, let's get in this thing together. That's what we're here to do. So all over this room, as they lead us in this song, I want you just to move out. Move out to one of these people. 
They're all around the building. They're, 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 there's men in the back. There's ladies around the front. Whoever you feel comfortable with, go find one of these individuals or just come and kneel around these altars. This place is open today. God is wanting to roll stones back from people's lives. So let's just allow it. Will you help me? Will you pray with me? If it's not for you, would you pray for somebody else? Create that atmosphere of prayer today. And let's let God do some miraculous things in this room. Amen?